Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Get out there and do it. There's more female small business owners than male business owners. So like, just go, girl, do it. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. This personal spot is about social media and caring way too much about followers and about all the other metric counts. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter It feels like it matters because we have all these expectations from digital society of like what it means to be significant. Like even now 11-year-olds are obsessed with, you know, being famous. Is that actually important to you? Will that actually make life more fulfilling? And I know for me, investing energy and attention into follower counts and everything else is and and like being relevant online or whatever it may be is just such an energetic drain if i exert my attention and my focus on just showing up to the things that i'm curious about that i enjoy to creating meaningful connection with others like that is actually the good stuff that's that makes me feel more just hauled together in human day-to-day. The other energy makes me feel frantic and chaotic and like constantly catching up. So I think it's time, like all of us, especially me, revisit how we perceive social media and all these other metrics. And instead of feeling like FOMO, like we're missing out or we have to be on everything all at once, we just kind of do a check-in with ourselves of, what is most meaningful for us and what do we actually want out of it? Like, why is this important? And on that day, on that last day of of our lives, was it worth investing the time in the way that we invested it? Anyway, enjoy the next episode. Welcome! 
Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest. I am a customer of her company and have been since the early, early days. So it's amazing to have her on. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Hello. 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 I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And you are here. We're both based in Los Angeles. This is so exciting to be doing this podcast together. And I discovered your company when I was at an event in LA and you had a booth. Can we talk about that day at the Viceroy uh, at the three-day rule? I think I was like at a dating event or something and, and you were demoing Flex and somehow yeah. you got me to become a customer and it's now years later. <laughs> Years, years later, I haven't, I haven't done an in-person event in so long, but I guarantee you that my hair was blonde uh, back then. <laughs> I do remember you with blonde hair. I was yeah, like, that was... is this the same person? <laughs> Pre-COVID, I've seen a few people. I went to a wedding this past weekend and people came up to me and they're like, I think I know you, but <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm like, I, I used to have long blonde hair and now I have brown hair and it's shorter and I have bangs. So it happens, COVID. Let's start with the formal intro. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Lauren Wong. I'm the founder and CEO of The Flex Co. And we're creating a more comfortable period for everyone. And what that means is we are making period products that are totally innovative, patented, sustainable, and made in the US and Canada. It's legit the best. It's like there is no other way to have that time of the month than with Flex. (laughs) It's seriously the best. I'm a little bit biased, but I agree. What I what I always try telling people is like, I'm not here to convince anyone to try the product. I'm just here to talk about why there needs to be innovation in this space and why I think no matter what period product you use, you deserve to be comfortable during your period week the same as every other week. And it shouldn't be like something that we dread, something that we fear, cramping, bloating, smell, all that stuff. Like I just think all of those issues should be left in the 1920s. (laughs) 100%. Honestly, like Flex gives me so much peace of mind for so many reasons. Like, yeah, I absolutely love Flex. So we're going to get into your history of like where you even fell in love with tech in the first place. But I'm just curious because I was there. Was it demo booths and that kind of thing that you used to do your early marketing? How did you get Flex out into the known to acquire us, your customers? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we did a little bit of everything in the early days. We had this really tricky chicken or the egg problem where no investor wanted to give us money to actually make the product. We had a prototype, but we couldn't manufacture it at scale. And because it's totally new and totally bespoke, we had to make our own manufacturing line. And so I had to demonstrate to investors that we had demand that people would actually use the product before we had ever even made the product, which is a very difficult situation to overcome. And it's something that I hear from a lot of founders who are trying to make physical products, whether it's hardware or consumer products. So I did a few different things. Like I would go to sorority houses and I would just like walk in and start talking to people. I would go to any kind of event that would have me. We created a website and a landing page and we put special offers on that landing page. And then we would create, I don't do this anymore, but like full transparency, we'd create all these fake Reddit usernames and like (laughs) post it on all these different boards to try to get people to sign up for our email list. And then Actually, Josh Constein, who he used to be yeah. at TechCrunch, um, saw me speak at this event, and it was a vet, an event with a ton of men at it. And whenever I tried talking about period products or period innovation with men, 
they would just shut me down really quickly. So I learned this really interesting trick, which is a sales trick. You need to get someone nodding in the beginning of a sales meeting. It doesn't matter what it's not, what they're nodding about. It's like, it's a beautiful day today. Yes. Great. Okay. You have them. They're nodding. Then you can get into it. So I'd walk into rooms with men, male investors. And I would say, do you enjoy having sex with women? Stop. And nine out of 10 times they'd be like, oh, have you ever been rejected for sex because someone was on their period? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All of them. Yeah. Got two nods, girl. Got to keep it wrong. This is a product for you. (laughs) I would like start there and that was like my wedge in. And then I would talk about how there hasn't been innovation in the space in over a hundred years and da, 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 da. But like, the mess-free period sex angle worked really well with guys. And Josh Constein happened to be in one of these pitches and he wrote a feature article and put it on the homepage of TechCrunch without telling me, which was incredible. We went viral all over the world. TechCrunch said that we broke the internet. They, they kept it live for so long. And, um, and we were able to build up our email list that way. We got over 200,000 um, wow. people signed up on our email list. And then I was in business. Then I could go and show investors like, look, this is a thing that people actually want. On the flip though, (laughs) I am a bisexual woman. So when I think about mess-free period sex, for me, it's always been like when I've been in relationships with women and she has her period one week and I have my period another week, it's kind of a pain. And you can use our product for penetrative or oral sex. But I think because we started with mess-free period sex, like the thought was always like, well, wait, like, why is period sex a problem? And I'm like, no, no, it's not a problem. You don't understand. This is just like my way (laughs) getting investors to invest, but uh, it worked. You gotta, you gotta kind of be a little bit hacky in those early days. I think, I mean, I think that's wonderful. When did you first become interested in business and technology? When did that journey start? I mean, later I want to get into, Building a, a product that goes inside of our bodies is, is is terrifying. It reminds me of the food industry. You have to be careful of allergies and all these other things. So, so yeah. first, let's just start at technology and business. When did you become interested? And then take me how you can even understand how to develop something that has to be body safe. Yeah, I started building websites when I was 14. And I think in the late nineties, early two thousands is what a lot of us did. There wasn't a Facebook, you know, what a meta, (laughs) there wasn't meta, but there was like homestead.com and like all those other websites. And so you'd like create your own little page and you have like your favorite Dave Matthews song playing in the background (laughs) and you've got your like guest book where people can sign. And I was building these websites to kind of like one up my guy friends because it was only the boys that I knew that were building websites. Right. And so I kind of taught myself HTML and then started like building websites for for actually real clients when I was 15, 16 years old. And I thought maybe I was going to be a computer programmer. I'm from uh, a big family. We never had a lot of money. And my mom was like, well, maybe this is a good way for you to earn money for college. Fast forward to when I was 19 years old, I got my first full-time job at IBM. So I was like right into technology from the early days. And I remember being this like young girl. I mean, let's be honest, 19, yes, you're a woman, but pretty much still a girl working with all these guys in suits, um, using my HTML skills, which now are totally defunct. (laughs) But that's where I really learned about the world of internet security and technology. And, um, and I was actually, um, in marketing there and continued working full-time 
um, while supporting myself and going to school at night. I did half my career at IBM, half at Coca-Cola, and worked for a number of different technology companies after that. I got the idea for Flex when I'd moved to Silicon Valley, and I was working for a company called Upwork. And I was doing PR for Upwork and doing like marketing for their enterprise product, which you would think B2B SaaS marketing has nothing to do with period products. But the thing that I learned there is the most difficult thing to do is to change user behavior, like to get someone to go from doing something this way to doing something the other way. In our case, we were trying to get people to hire people online, which I don't know, like now everyone hires everyone online, but back then, even even like 10 years ago, it it was very different. And I remember I was like thinking about this idea for a new period product. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get people to trust me to put this inside their body, that this is going to be safe, that they need to like use their hand to insert and remove it. Like that is going to be the biggest problem. So I need to make sure it performs 10 times better than tampons and pads. And that was kind of the baseline. Yeah. I can't say this enough. Like I, I freaking love flex. Like it's legit the best. So I know I don't need to say that over and over. It's just, it's, it's such a game changer in decreasing my like anxiety. I I'm purposely staying like slightly vague because I've never talked about my period like publicly before. So it's a little bit awkward for me, actually a lot awkward, but like yeah, it just really, it really makes my period not something to stress out about because I don't have to worry about things that I'm going to stay vague because that's just weird to talk about my period on a podcast that so many people around the world listen to. But like, I love flex. Um, oh, thank you. And this is not a paid advertisement. No, not at all. <laughs> totally I don't do like sponsored get like this is like, yeah, <laughs> that is indeed. I just like really love it. How did you go into like the R&D of how does someone go about doing that to figure out how it's body safe? Yeah, there were a lot of stops and starts. I originally had come up, I worked with a product designer to come up with a concept that we took to a manufacturer and the manufacturer said, if you try making this at scale, it's going to break, it's not going to work, or it's going to be so expensive that people won't be able to afford it. And this is after like many, many months of trying many different things. And I decided to shelve the idea. I'm like, this is too hard. I can't do it. I'm not like a product person. I'm a marketer. I went to this dinner in San Francisco and there was this guy who was in product development for Apple, who my girlfriend was like, you have to tell him about your idea. You have to tell him about flex. I'm like, no, no. Anyway, we get to talking and he said, maybe there's old technology that someone created that's, that is a product person and you're a marketer. And maybe there's something there that someone else has already done, but they're too early to market or whatever and that you know is tested and safe and everything else. And you can kind of like take that and like leapfrog. And I told him, I've I've looked at everything from dildos to diaphragms, literally anything that fits inside of the vagina I've looked at, like there's nothing. But it got me thinking and I went back and I started looking at old patents and came across this patent for a product. At the time it was called um, the Instead Soft Cup. And it was developed by a woman and a team of doctors in the 90s. And she was a triathlete and she had all these issues with her period. And I started the company because I was getting yeast infections from tampons for 15 years. Really? And yeah. Wow. I didn't have that problem. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. That's it was a really, it was a really bad problem for me. Yeah. Um, And 
And so I, I came across this and I realized that the company was still around, but in my years of research and trying more than 30 period products from all over the world, I'd never heard of this product. So I contacted the company and I was like, oh my gosh, like your product has all the features and benefits that I want. Can I work for you? Can I sell it for you? I have this vision and da 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 da. And they thought I was crazy. They're like, yeah. you work at a software company. No, goodbye. <laughs> but what I ended up doing was using the technology that they built, designed around the patent, used newer materials that were because from the 90s to 2015, there had been a lot of advances in um, medical device materials. So safe, body safe, things that are used in all different types of formats in the hospital, basically. And like, what if we could use newer materials and kind of leverage this idea, this form factor of the disc? Right. And it was with that, that I got into Y Combinator. I told them the whole story. I was like, here it is. Like, this is what we're doing. And we got into YC, went back to that manufacturer. They're like, yes, we can make this. We're in the middle of YC. We've sold $80,000 of pre-orders. And then the manufacturer calls me and they're like, (gasps) I'm sorry, we got a bigger contract. We can't work with the startup. No. And yeah. So we were kind of dead in the water and I didn't know what to do. So I, I went back and contacted that original company and I said, listen, I want to buy your assets. And I acquired this other business while I was in YC. And then we were able to leverage their manufacturing line. And, and basically we saved their business. Their business wasn't doing well at all. I was able to make it profitable in the first three months and continue making their product as well as making our product with newer materials. And that's, that's how it all got wow. started. Okay. I want to get into that more. And I also want to get into the health factor. You were talking about um, yeast infections and also what is it called? Toxic shock syndrome, which yeah. is something we should probably touch base on as well. But before we do on the business side, running two companies at once how do you was, just like, and how did you make it profitable? What was your secret superpower that you were able to make this fledging company profitable in addition to growing your company from birth? Yeah, uh, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate it. Well, what I did was I kind of split off the team and I had two people go and work on the launch of Flex. And then I worked on trying to figure out how to make that business profitable. And when we looked at the numbers, we saw that there were certain retail contracts that were driving down the price of the product. And I can't name who they are, but they're driving down the price of the product, but they were the biggest source of top line revenue. And so it was counterintuitive to say, let's cut off the biggest source of top line revenue so that we can normalize pricing across all all the other channels. And I'm not going to increase pricing of what I charge retailers but retailers aren't going to get angry that they see this other retailer undercutting prices. And so we cut off our biggest source of revenue. And what we saw was all the demand, all the customers that shopped at that retailer start shopping at all the other retailers. Oh. And all the other retailers are really happy with me. because they're like, oh, like this, this is actually working really well now. The other retailer we broke up with was not very happy with me, but we're, we're on great terms now. <laughs> And I kind of just set that business on autopilot because it's a product that people have loved. They've used for 20 plus years. And it was important to me that we continued having more options instead of few options for period care products. But to your, I think, bigger point, like it was extremely controversial. Like almost every investor thought I should just kill that business. Almost every investor thought I shouldn't be messing with retail. Flex was sold direct to consumer as a subscription at the time. And it goes back to the mission of like wanting to have more options for more people. Yeah. And we are actually able to like 
use everything that we learned by, by working with those retailers to eventually put flex in retail. Now we sell flex in 25,000 retail doors. Wow. So it, it ended up becoming like a double asset, not just from manufacturing, but from distribution. I mean, that's incredible. So staying on the topic of business, I'm curious. I mean, you've had so many kind of things that you've had to navigate through in your career. What has been one of the biggest obstacles you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Self-doubt, like hands down self-doubt. Like I said, I started working in a big corporate world at a very young age and I got lots of feedback um, from men and from women that sometimes was definitely warranted. And I, and I have, I subscribed to having a growth mindset. And so I really appreciate and love feedback and I've grown a lot from it, but looking back, some of the feedback was really unfair. Like somebody once told me that he didn't like my voice that I talk like a Valley girl. And I realized I'm like, I'm the youngest person who works here by, by, by like 10 years. Um, this wasn't at IBM. It was at a different company. And I, but it's like those types of like microaggressions build up over time and it really makes you doubt yourself. And when I quit my job to start flex, I had multiple people call me and say, you can't do this. You've never even been a CMO. How are you going to be a CEO? Like you still have so much to learn. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I do still have so much to learn, but I got to follow my heart and I just need to get out there and do it. And, but I find over and over again, especially with women that I talk to, and it's not exclusive to women, but a lot of women that I talk to are like, well, I have this idea, but I just need to, I just need to blank. Right. Or sometimes I've talked to people that are like, well, I always wanted to, but I can't because I don't have, you know, and I, I really truly believe that if we had more women telling other women, like, yes, you absolutely can. And like, maybe you fail, but at least you try. That is like, we need more women telling other women that. So that's what I want to tell every woman that wants to start a business, like get out there and do it. There's more female, small business owners than male business owners. So like, just go girl, do it. A hundred percent, a hundred. And it's funny on an interview I did earlier today, we talked about how no one has the answers. Even if you've been in business for 22 years, we're all constantly trying to figure it out. It's only a perception that seems like everyone on stage has the answers. We're all, we're all just like the guarantee you have as an entrepreneur is that every day you're going to have a new challenge. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes like being an outsider, I think brings an advantage. Like me being from Georgia, from a small town and like the struggle that I face as a child and as a teenager and everything that I went through in my life conditioned me super, super well to be an entrepreneur, right? All that struggle and strife and pain and heartache conditioned me for all the ups and downs of being, being a CEO and a startup CEO. So I think even though I didn't go to, you know, Stanford or Harvard or Haas or whatever, I don't have my MBA, like it kind of gives me an advantage in some ways because I look at problems a little bit differently. And there's nothing wrong with going to those schools as well. They give you phenomenal training, um, but you don't, you don't need a pedigree to be successful in business. Yeah. There's no one right path, but there is uh, a bad path when it comes to health um, that has afflicted a lot of women. And that's like yeast infections and toxic. How do you say it? Toxic Toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen devastating things I was unaware of as a teenager and growing up. And then later when I would see YouTube videos, I'm like, thank goodness that didn't happen to me. Yeah. Flex, to my knowledge, like how I perceive it, guarantees that I won't have 
to deal with those misfortunes and take the risk of doing that to my body. Is that accurate? So I'm not allowed to say guarantee from, for like legal reasons, (laughs) but what I can tell you is we have made over 80 million discs and we, our discs have never been linked to TSS. Our cups have never been linked to TSS. Um, the, the thing about tampons and TSS and why tampons and tampons, I think by and large generally are pretty safe. So, uh, if you like follow instructions and you don't leave it in for too long and you use the proper absorbency, you should be fine. Generally speaking, um, TSS is caused by a strain of staph bacteria. That is if it's found outside of your skin, it doesn't harm you, but if it gets, um, in your bloodstream, it can harm you. And so when you put a tampon inside of your body, cotton is an organic material and an organic material can promote the growth of toxic bacteria And if you leave it in for too long and those bacteria, if you happen to have that bacteria on the tampon, or if you have like a small abrasion from the cotton going inside of your vagina, doesn't matter if it's a regular tampon or organic tampon, they're all cotton. That is what can promote the growth of that bacteria, which can lead to TSS. And I think on the yeast infection side, tampons don't cause yeast infections for everyone. They did cause yeast infections for me because they can disrupt the flora and like the pH of your vagina because you're basically holding the blood inside of your vaginal canal against your vaginal walls for hours on end versus a cup or a disc. It's collecting the fluid. It's not absorbing anything. It's made out of body safe materials that um, are used in all different types of medical devices, right? Over and over and over again in hospitals, like millions of people per day. And so we know that these materials don't promote the growth of that toxic bacteria. And that that's what makes the difference. And that's why you can wear this product for 12 hours. So it's disposable like a tampon, but it, you end up using two per day versus, you know, 18 to 21 tampons per cycle. So it creates a lot less waste as well. I love it. You know, as I've said many times, who is someone that's given you advice that has truly helped accelerate you throughout your career? What's that piece of advice that they've given you? Yeah. My co-founder who is now my husband, he's on our board, but we we don't work together full-time anymore. He told me in the early days just to get started. Like back when we were friends, he was working in venture capital um, and totally unrelated. He wouldn't invest in my type of company, but... (laughs) he seemed really smart and I knew nothing about fundraising. And so I was like, what is LTV? What is cost of acquisition? Like I didn't know any of the words (laughs) and I was always waiting to be, you know, like trying. And he's like, just, just go, just start, just get to work. Don't create a perfect strategy. Don't need a business plan. Like you do to some extent, but just literally go out and get started. And that's where like going to those events and having a little booth and doing things manually, going to sororities in the end, like, did those things get me on the front page of TechCrunch? Absolutely not. But it was like all those micro meetings that over time led to you and I meeting, for example, you know what I mean? hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's a, a cheesy question, but what book do you recommend that we all read? Nonfiction. <laughs> Nonfiction, fiction, any book that you're like, yes. Oh this man. One. So, so even before as a startup founder, it's cliche to say, but the hard thing about the hard things mm. by Ben Horowitz is I think a classic and it gave me a lot of peace of mind, even when I wasn't um, a CEO, but I go back and revisit that book every couple of years 
High Output Management is also, I think that's uh, Andy Grove book, also very old school, great for performance management as a leader. And then if you're looking for fiction, I mean, I'm a big Ken Follett fan. I'm super nerdy that way. I love that airport historical fiction, uh, the Kingsbridge trilogy. I've read it maybe three times and each page, each book is like 1500 pages. So tell us what it's about. It is about, about the backstabbing and no, it's, it's about, um, medieval England and how cathedrals are built, but it kind of follows multiple characters over generations in a town. Anyone who's read the books think probably thinks I'm butchering it right now, but it's very character driven. And it's actually taught me a lot about business because um, you kind of can see that people aren't all good or all bad. And there certainly are characters in the book that are like tropes of a bad guy or a good guy, but you can kind of see that every person is flawed and how individuals can see things from their own perspective, but might not see something from someone else's perspective. And if they act or react in a way that they're not seeing the other person's point of view, it can create like events that, you know, span generations, you know, of like mistakes or decisions that span generations. And so it just, I think it's a fascinating look into the human mind and how we interact with each other. Love it. And two last questions as we wrap up where, I mean, this is kind of like a big question that that could have been toward the beginning of our conversation, but where is flex today and where do you want flex to be tomorrow? And then one more question after that. Okay. Flex today is, you know, we have basically three core products. We have soft disc, we have flex disc, we have flex cup. Uh, we recently came out with soft cup. So I guess that's four products still learning to count, um, where it's going to be tomorrow. We're announcing in two weeks, a new product we've been working on for the last two and a half years. And then in the spring, we've been working on a product for five years. that's coming out. We're very close to that. We have some really exciting uh, retail launches coming up next year, which I'm stoked on. But if I look ahead in the next two years, I see us um, on the international stage rather than going really broad and making douches, which by the way, don't douche, please. Um, not that you do, but anyone listening, it's really bad for your pH. I I used to hear about that. I don't remember. I, I remember like a long time ago, that was a thing. I don't, I didn't know what it was, but it like, it came up a lot for a while. Anything that's scented, you don't want to put in your vagina, your vagina is self-cleaning. If your vagina is smelling a little bit funky, try boric acid suppositories or absolutely talk to your OBGYN, but more fragrance tends to make it worse. I learned that the hard way um, earlier in my life. But um, so I don't see us going like really broad and making sex toys and doing things like that. Instead, I see us going really deep into period innovation and just expanding that and making products more accessible on the international stage. How large is your team? And if there's anything we could do as a global community to support you in moving forward, what what can we do? Oh, thank you. You can you can go to our website and apply. Our website's flexfits.com. We are hiring, we are growing, we are about to post a whole slew of new jobs. I think we have about 50 people. That was the, I was trying to remember the first part of your question. We have about 50 people. And if you want to support us, you can go to flexfits.com and click on careers and apply to one of our jobs. We have amazing benefits. We have paid parental leave, no matter what type of parent or what your situation is, doesn't matter your gender, three months. 
We're based in California. You can also work remotely. It's an amazing place to work. So please come work for us. And how can people connect with you? What's best? LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, email. I think Instagram is probably the easiest. You can find um, our handles just at Flex. And there's a link in the bio with my personal Instagram. Cool. And the last question I have is a selfish question because I am such a nerd. What is your favorite tool? It could be mobile app, website. What is your girl? I am a Noom. I'm a hardcore Noom fan. Noom, the weight loss thing. The weight loss. Tell me. I gained, um, I stopped counting at 85 pounds. I gained over 85 pounds when I was pregnant and my daughter's 16 months now. And it was really, really hard on my body and, you know, worked really hard to get a lot of the weight off. But like that last like 15 pounds was so, so tough. Noom helped me be more mindful about what food choices that I was making that I didn't realize I was making. And I got that last 15 pounds off, but it also like kickstarted me being excited and falling in love with exercise again. Um, and then, you know, I, I got one of these Apple watch things and now I'm like addicted to tracking all my workouts. Wait, I, okay. I have to ask you for another second about Noom. I had Noom and in, in end, I felt like it didn't, I don't know what I did different than you, but I love that it worked for you. So what would you say was the number one thing that made Noom lead to losing that 15? I think it was the calorie tracking. I had used, I think my fitness power, another one of those yeah. previously, something about Noom's tracking me a little bit easier. And like, I had to get over the cheesiness of their courses, you know, cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, okay. that's what lost me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a little bit cheesy, but I was like, all right, suspend disbelief. Okay. Yeah. For a minute. Yeah. And like, you just, and I made myself commit to doing it for a full month. And then after the month I got used to tracking my calories. And then after maybe two or three months, I think it was about three months. I was like, all right, I'm tired of tracking my calories. I'm tired of using this thing. So I got rid of it. But now when I'm super hungry and I'm like driving around, I'll go to a grocery store and I'll buy like a bowl of fruit. Cause I'm like, I remember that noon lesson. Yeah. That's like water dense, water, <laughs> water dense food with four nutrients will fill you up. Whereas, you know, growing up, it used to be like Atkins or keto where it's mm-hmm. like, eat a chicken drumstick. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Yes. I even remember the water. Yes. But it's not ingrained, but I'm familiar and I only know it because of Noom. So today's episode is really special because we have a guest audience member. Hi, Robin. Hi, how's it going? So Robin, if you had one question to ask Lauren, what should be the question that you think Lauren should be asked? What's the number one thing that you love about entrepreneurship? that you've always loved about entrepreneurship. Like the one thing that no matter uh, bad days, good days, waking up the next morning, you get up and you think, okay, like I'm excited to be here. The only thing that gets me out of bed, uh, why I like entrepreneurship is serving our customers, like getting love letters from our customers every day of people saying that we change their lives. Like that, that is it. That's what does it for me. That's, that's why I started the company. That's why I exist. That's awesome. I love that little bonus snippet. 
Lauren, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You are absolutely amazing to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Lauren Wong, founder and CEO of The Flex Company. We're creating more comfortable periods for everyone. We're based in Los Angeles and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.